bike is bought from the store. Took it to the register. Okay, okay. Tax-free weekend was about a month ago. That's that's already passed. Drew's plugging in. Talking in cells. His headphones. All right, here we go. We bought a nice pair of headphones to go along with the yeah. microphone. That was how I found out that I wasn't plugged in, is you guys just started rapping. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> We're working our freestyle careers. Yeah, I was like, you got to stop. And I was like, I looked down and the cord was like under my foot. Hey, we, like you can't know if you're good at freestyling if you don't ever try. That's really so true. So that's why we try every week here on We Bought a Mic. We'd like yes. to thank Post Malone for coming in with that one, that hook there. Uh, thanks, Post. Uh, Hello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to We Bought a Mic. In our team talk show, where every week we talk movies, film, TV, cinema, pop culture, entertainment, sports, anyone? National football maybe, league? Maybe, maybe next week. A healthy NFL dose starting today. of fresh fun banter and careful critical analysis. Mm. I'm Ernest Calderon. I'm Hunter Mobley. I'm Drew. And that was really good, that, mm-hmm. uh, that intro. I like banter. Ooh, yeah. The Americans should say it more because the Brits certainly say that banta. a lot. Banta. Top banta. Banta, banta snatch. <laughs> <laughs> so. We know so much about them. <laughs> uh, speaking of Brits, um, the Italians are <laughs> near the Brits. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I there's mean, vaguely, I guess. A city in Italy called Venice that has a film festival right now. And people are rioting. They are rioting in Venice mm-hmm. because a little film called Joker won the top pr- prize at the Venice Film Festival. The little incel yeah. that could. <laughs> Is really that what's... Yeah, I that's, guess. That's the slogan. That's yeah. the marketing a push. S- scrappy director named Todd Phillips, who no one's ever heard of, came out of the blue. He made this. Evidently, it's good. If it's good, I'm gonna, I, I will like it. That's my guarantee. Yeah, uh, I'm so, just, I mean, this movie came out of nowhere to win this thing. I have been, I've been excited for Joker for a while. Yeah, I mean, we gave our, our fall movie preview last week. Uh, if you haven't listened, uh, I suggest you check that out. But the movie comes out in about a month, and, you know, people, critics have been seeing it, reactions have been mixed, and the trailer has kind of like made it look good. You know, I saw the trailer the, the other day when, when I saw It, Chapter 2, and I my immediate thought was like, this looks like an incredible Joaquin performance, mm-hmm. but I'm very, very apprehensive about the story. Yeah. And that's just like the feeling that I have from this movie, and now it wins the top prize at one of the most prestigious festivals yeah. in the world. And, and I'm just like, what the fuck? And... How can it be problematic when it it's the movie that stops Roman Polanski from winning? You know what I mean? Roman Polanski got second. Yeah, that's it made me kind of wonder what Venice is doing uh because I just I, this you know what is, they're doing they're fucking kids over there, man. <laughs> the best picture or I mean usually this is kind of a gateway uh for what at least wins or at least gets nominated for best picture at the Oscars. I mean think 2 years ago Shape of Water won that one best picture. Last year Roma won which should have won best it, picture. What are you talking about it did win best yeah, picture. Yeah, it won. Yeah, yeah we all remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so I I don't really remember the last time that they put something out that is not at least going to be somewhat of a critical darling. 
I mean, it already pretty much is. And I've seen a lot of critical takes that like instinctively I dislike when people are like, the Joker is at once uh, brilliant and conflicting, like things like that. And honestly, it's the movie the Joker would have wanted. Well, I, I didn't like that because I was like, all right, pick a side. But honestly, no, we live in a culture that really encourages critics and everyone to have binary opinions of either just true good or true bad. And mm-hmm. it's like, I want to see a movie that uh, makes me feel somewhere in the middle. That's fine by me. Yeah. Like I, I'm excited for the movie. I am hesitant. I love Joaquin, like I said last week, but this movie winning this award, it, it just, it makes it go up the ranks of what we're doing with this uh, fantasy film league that I mentioned. If, if you didn't listen to the episode last week, we're basically going to be tracking the award season and making a little game out of it. So a, a move like this, it moves the movie up in, in, in clout essentially. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so it's going to make things in- interesting at the very least that Joker is now a front runner for best picture. Okay. Let's do this. I, mean, I guess <laughs> I was, uh, I was, I don't remember if I was reading an article or listening to a podcast, but they were talking about how there is a chance that Joker could be one of, there's only been like a few times in the history of movies where two different actors portraying the same character can both either win or be nominated for an Oscar Interesting. playing the same character. I mean, of course Heath Ledger won mm, posthumously. I mean, if this movie is as great as it's as everybody's saying, or at least some people are saying, I will say I've seen a lot of negative buzz on the mm-hmm. internet from some critics. Yeah. I've seen it, but if this movie is really good, it's going to solely rest on Joaquin. So I Wh- could which see it that. seems like he is knocking it out of the park from the trailers at the very least. Just from the history of Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. that guy can fucking yeah. do whatever hell the hell he wants to my yes. body. Let's let's move on to a less problematic story though. This Ricky Ricky Linky. Story. Yeah. Dicky Linky. Dick Link. <laughs> Dick Link's beef Dickie jerky. Links. Uh I'm excited for this fucking thing. I mean, if you're a big film fan, you probably heard the news. Uh, he is making a new 20-year-long film project with Beanie Feldstein and who else is involved? Uh, I'm not sure who the other guy is. It's it's Beanie, you know, uh, yeah. front and center yeah. of yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, but essentially, it's based on a play that is uh, is told in reverse, 20 years in in reverse. Um, and I guess that's, I guess they'll, they're not going to shoot it in reverse. Yeah. But but, uh, that's, Oh, the other guy is, uh, Ben Platt. Oh, uh, Broadway boy from, uh, dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. He's, uh, Broadway loves that dude. He, he won a lot of awards. Yeah. So, you know, link later, he famously made boyhood and the before trilogy two epic, uh, you know, multi-decade sagas and now he's kind of trying to one up himself and casting two sort of up and comers in these lead roles. And we'll see them grow up essentially by the time this movie comes out. If the world is still if here yeah. at 20 very, years from I now, mean, at the very least, uh, Dickie links might die. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's like 60. I, I think he's in his fifties at the very least. And men die young. Like we're all, we're on the way out right now, guys. My first reaction, wherever I heard this was that, uh, this is Linklater just being like, fuck you, Oscars. 13 years wasn't enough for you. Well, then how about 20? Is that going to be good enough for me to actually win Best Picture? Because <laughs> Boyhood just kind of came and everybody leading up to it was like, this is a three hour long epic of spanning this child's life. And Boyhood is 
I think it's good. It's fine. It's not. A I love boyhood. You can't call it fine. That's. A I absurd. think it's good. I think it's good. I think that it's the problem with it is that <laughs> they picked a bad actor to follow because that kid. That's what I grew was, up and he, he was grew like, up. He's Ugh. ugly and he's not a good actor. And <laughs> that actually is what I was gonna say. Beanie it's, Feldstein, I trust. Yeah, it just now. picking she, Beanie off the bat instead of El- Eller Coltrane. <laughs> yeah, um, good move. Good move. Beanie is. I mean, the be magic forever. The magic of Boyhood is Patricia Arquette and Ethan Hawke. It's. I know it's called Boyhood, but, but the yeah, movie soars them. because of them. Yeah, yeah. they're they're incredible. So maybe we'll see this movie. Who knows how society will pan out? I mean, we might be in the depths of like the twenty-year Trump presidency by then, and you know, movies will be outlawed and. It, they'll only be available to like Bob Iger's inner circle and oh, yeah. there'll be yeah. like an off earth colony that gets all the latest in pop culture. And we'll just be like trash heathens, like yeah. eating cockroaches from beneath. I can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood's top director will be Jared Fogel. <laughs> oh uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, maybe Tom Cruise will save us. Maybe our salvation will come from the next mission impossible film. Yeah, sure. Um, and to help him <laughs> will be Haley Atwell. Yeah. We if, love she, her. if she chooses to accept the mission. Hey, great. Wink, wink. Great transition. I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> uh, she is in the next Mission Impossible movie. And the thing about her is she's very good. And the thing about Mission Impossible with Macquarie is that they're very good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, this is very good news. Uh, they have made a uh, little track record for themselves of bringing in uh, kind of interesting choices into the cast with every film. Um, with Fallout, I guess it was Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she was, I mean, she's from, she's in The Crown, right? Mm-hmm. But not really done a lot of film work. And since then, she made it in the best movie of the year, Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> Probably best movie of the decade. Um, so, I mean, Haley Atwell, who knows where she'll do now. It's funny that we live in this world where we're like oversaturated by IPs. Like I'm kind of just burnt out on the Star Wars and the Marvel of it all. But I see the announcements of a new Mission Impossible movie. I'm like, give me the shit tomorrow. Yeah. I want to shoot this in my veins immediately. Yeah. They could make like 50 more of these. As long as Tom Cruise is doing his thing, I don't care. I'm going to love it. And I'm, I'm sure Atwell will be some sort of agent. I mean, she's Agent Carter from... Uh, Captain America, like it sells itself right there. She's yeah. she's probably going to be some sort of cool British spy. I'm there for um, it. Speaking of uh, insanely dense cinematic universes in this world we live in, uh, perhaps the most dense uh, like show slash whatever you call it media universe. I'm not joking. Is the on cinema at the cinema universe? Are you have you dipped your toes into this, guys? No, it is. In fucking sane. It started as a podcast between Greg Turkington uh, and Tim Heidecker, and they are playing themselves like their names are their own names, but they're kind of in character as these two movie reviewers who uh, Greg Turkington gives every movie five bags of popcorn. Uh, (laughs) And it started off as just that. And then over years and years and different media formats, they have evolved their characters and their relationship. Uh, Tim eventually, like, they, they buy a movie theater together, and then Tim becomes a movie star, and it, it becomes a TV show. It was on Adult Swim for a while, called On Cinema at the Cinema. Uh, so then Tim's character becomes a movie star, like a shitty, like, Jason Bourne type called Decker, 
like Heidecker. Oh, I've heard about this. And they shot Decker movies for this universe. They shot a character's movies that he stars in. And it's a show on Comedy Central, right? Isn't it? No. Isn't Decker something? No, it's all Adult Swim. Oh, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Adult Swim. Yeah, Yeah, and there was a whole Decker thing. And then... Uh, Deck, Decker and Tim Heidecker's character had a big falling out where he like lost everything. He came crawling back. He ended up, I don't, I don't know. There, there are people who are really into it, but I think he ended up burning down the movie theater. And <laughs> then Adult Swim uh, live streamed the trial of Tim Heidecker, which was like an eight hour long live stream of a fake trial for Jeez. Tim's character. This is not a joke. All this, right. This is all in this universe. And now it has been revealed that there is a movie coming out as a continuation of this universe called Mr. America in which Tim Heidecker's character is running for district attorney in California. And from what I saw in the trailer, it does seem like a good amount of it is uh, like guerrilla footage style going into real life and him actually going to like, like, yeah, debates and meetings and things trying to run, Uh, but he's in character the whole time. As but he calls himself Tim. But yeah, but he's Tim Heidecker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his look, if, if you look up a picture of him, he looks like he could pass for like some sort of far-right neo-Nazi yeah. white nationalist type. Yeah, exactly. And so, Right up the GOP's alley. The tagline of this is, he's running for district attorney, and technically he's not a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> so... And people are like, well, I mean, yeah. I might as well vote for him if yeah. he's technically not a murderer. Um... So I'm really excited for this. I wish that I had more uh, detailed information on this universe. It's coming out this year, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, October 9th, because this is the most interesting cinematic universe that we have. This Mm -hmm. is so bizarre and forward thinking of Tim and Neil, uh, who both, or Greg Turkington, who does a character named Neil Hamburger oftentimes. Uh, They're both two of the smartest minds in improvisation and in comedy in general. This is going to be a strange movie. I I can't wait. I mean, I'm glad that Tim's getting work. He had a a little bit part in Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then he had a big part in Us. I forgot that he was in that movie. He was like in one scene, but he had a a much more significant role in Us. And it's just like, you know, we saw uh, Eric uh, Warheim kind of like everywhere um, a few years ago. And it's just nice to see that uh, that Tim isn't getting completely sidelined. I mean, Tim is uh, low-key, like, one of the busiest men in comedy, easily. It, it, like, he's on the par of, like, Fred Armisen and Jordan Peele. He's always doing, like, ten things. He runs absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, he runs that shit. He, yeah, he he writes a billion shows. He, he always, doesn't just get an EP credit from that. No. He's, like, actively he, involved. He is, he is the, like, in-charge manager of it, and also he always has, like, ten shows on Adult Swim that you don't even know about mm-hmm. in any given moment. Like, mm-hmm. he is fucking crazy, dude. I'm a big fan of that guy Dope. anyway um what if what's our catch-up for the week uh i watched a few things i want to get to the third one quickly because i want to really talk about that so i'll start off breezily with the first two. First, i watched cabaret um have you guys heard of cabaret 1972 yeah, i I've, I've heard of, i've never seen cabaret it's on netflix but, okay. uh i really recommend checking it out don't know how long it'll actually be on there but this is a Bob Fosse film. So if you've been listening to the pod, you know, I watched Fosse Burden. Yeah, big Fosse head. On, uh, on FX. And just having that be- behind the scenes knowledge of this guy's life and his work on these films, it, it makes it so when you watch the actual films, there's like it, all of this extra 
knowledge that you can bring to the table and, and you can, you can inform yourself in certain scenes cause you know, kind of like what was going on when they were making it. So it, it, it just makes for a little bit of a richer experiencing, uh, experience watching experience. Um, but this movie is great in and of itself because it takes place in 1930s Berlin as the, the Nazi party is kind of taking hold right before shit really hits the fan and the, and the war really uh, starts. You get to see through the seams of this story like how, how prevalent it was to have the Nazis in power. Uh, during this time, but the story is not about that. It's it's called cabaret because it's about a cabaret club. So it's this really interesting juxtaposition between the people going to the club, and of course it's Bob Fosse. So you have these really amazing, uh, incredible dance song and dance numbers, and in the background, in the sidelines, it's like Nazi Germany coming around. to power. So it's not like this dire, it's not fucking Schindler's List or anything like right. that. It's, it's a fun movie, but it's set against the backdrop of this really dark time in it. history. Hmm. It's Liza Minnelli in the lead role. She knocks it out of the park, incredible singing. Um, and there's one scene in particular, every time I watch this movie, because I watched it back in college because we did a little Bob Fosse uh, thing in one of my classes. One scene that always sticks out as the best scene in the movie is this moment where a Hitler youth sings a, a patriotic song and it's called like, um, tomorrow belongs to me. And it starts out as this really sweet, tender song being sung by a little boy and it builds and builds and builds and the crowd and the audience starts joining in and standing up and the vigor of it all. And you can see, holy crap brainwashing yeah it's brain terrifying. fucking <laughs> yeah. washing it's fucking terrifying and it, does that explain the armband that you're wearing currently oh no, <laughs> no, no you don't no. want to even you don't even want to <laughs> go down that road no <laughs> i'm not not subscribing to that uh but it's a it's a phenomenal movie uh just really well done it you know it kind of like seems a little bit like a series of song and dance numbers strung together with like this loose uh romance narrative but because it's bob fossey it just springs to life and everything about it is just like so infectious and so well done that i can't help but absolutely love it right. so how does that like where would you put that among the other fossey movies that you've I seen i think it might be his best well wow. i'd have to like revisit because i just watched um all that jazz which mm -hmm. is an incredible movie but i kind of feel like all that jazz doesn't work if you don't know anything about bob fossey you kind of have to have like some mm -hmm. knowledge of his life because it's a it's a biopic um or it's like you know yeah based on his life yeah. um damn er, er, hunter we're gonna have to become fossey heads i feel like <sighs> like it's not gonna stop is it you're no i'm just <laughs> i'm just super interested you're gonna in this I guy know. like so you're gonna become like a completist it seems like i maybe maybe we'll I, see we'll see i mean he he did a lot of broadway shows too so if i really wanted to be a completist i would have to watch that um, you are starting to look a little bit more like Bob. <laughs> yeah, I'm balding a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you like start beating your really, girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. you always cut the pod and start screaming at us. <laughs> You're like, not my tempo. Yeah, even though it's a podcast, I'm like judging your exact hand movements. Like that <laughs> have to be super precise. We're like, no one's watching. I'm sorry. <laughs> so cabaret on Netflix. Watch it. It's a classic. Right. Uh, next, 
Synecdoche, New York. This is a big Netflix one that has been in my list for years. It, they actually just took it off. I Ooh, caught it great. right awesome. under the radar. The but good they'll, news. They'll, they'll it. put it back. They'll I mean, back. I have my ways of and fi- also, watching movies. And also, it's on Sony Crackle for free. That's, Dude, Crackle. Sony Crackle is not on my list of ways <laughs> that I watch. <laughs> um, this is a movie written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. I I know you want to watch it, so I'm not going to get too into it because uh, it's just one of those movies that you have to, yeah. you just have to go into it without really knowing what you're in for. Have you seen it, Hunter? No, I've never yeah. seen it. It's 2008, I, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. It is a fascinating movie, and it's one of those movies that when you finish watching it, you can't just like form an immediate opinion of because you have to let it sit with you. Yeah, and that's I love, true of all of his yeah, most of his oh, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, it, I love movies like that, that you, it forces you to like sit back and be like, okay, what the fuck did I just watch? Like it, it makes you think, and I'm not going to get into details, but the, the gist of the story is Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late great PSH is a theater director who stages a massive production. It's not even on a stage. It's like in a warehouse and it grows and it grows and it grows and the line between the play and reality starts to kind of yeah, blur. Very Kaufman. Yeah. So that in and of itself is like a fascinating, fascinating concept. But then you layer on themes about life and death and time and loneliness and the meaning of life. And is it, it really depressing? Oh, that's a Kaufman. That's yes. a Kaufman signature. So so, de- so depressing to the point that I kind of can't I can't let that slide almost well that it's too like, depressing that is it's, a thing yeah coffin movies like Anomalisa made me feel so right. gross while watching it like it made me hate humanity <laughs> yeah. and just kind of want to crawl into a ball and die yeah. like that's how that movie made me feel even well, though I do I can admire it and say it's exactly. a great movie which I that's just a Kaufman he's such thing. an original creator yeah I I'm in this class very unique I'm in this class right now where we just had to look at these case studies of like why certain uh, indie projects ended up not being made like what went wrong in the production process and it's always most of the time it's just the money people the EPs get worried when there's even a little bit of confusion in the mm-hmm. script. Like yeah. that's just what happens. And so, and then there's a fight and either the director compromises their vision or it just doesn't get made. Yeah. So Kaufman, he always, but yeah, that's why I love him more than anything. He gets his insane ideas made and he gets the budget he needs and he gets a list actors in every yeah, single movie. Philip exactly. Seymour Hoffman is in this movie. Like, yeah, my God. a God. A also, uh, God. Catherine Hahn oh, is yeah? in there. Uh, oh my God. I love Catherine. Hahn. Yeah. It, the, the, the way the story unfolds is magnificent. And there's, there's things that I won't give away, but it just, it's one of those. It's also one of those movies that just demands a second viewing, and I can't wait to to rewatch it because a lot of things start to reveal themselves once you know yeah. kind of what Kaufman is trying to do with the way the story is told because it's very odd. Yeah, there's a lot of things about it that, like, right off the bat, you're like, okay, what the hell is going on here? But you just have to go with it. So there's not. It's not too depressing that you won't rewatch it. Um, I'm 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 the type of person that. If I if I know what I'm getting into, I'll be okay. Oh, I get it. You yeah. know, so even though it it does, because look, the the fact of the matter about this movie, it, the biggest thing I came away with it, and I'm sure everyone will come away with something different, is just it makes you think about what you want from your life. Like we all have egos, and we all want 
when we die, we all want to have some sort of legacy to leave behind. And we all want our lives to matter. But the fact of the matter is that like most people, most people's lives don't matter. Mm -hmm. And that's such a heavy thing to think about and to grapple with that part of being human is wanting your life to have a meaning and chasing that and always being after that can be such a depressing thing. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Charlie Kauf, I've never heard somebody say, man, his movies are deeply rewatchable. Like that's not with the exception of maybe like some earlier stuff, like being John Malkovich or adaptation. Mm -hmm. Like nobody's just like, ah, it's just like, just want to unwind. Let me just throw on Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or no something. Way. Like it's you gotta. Yeah. He strikes a yeah. mood, but that's that's something to admire. About He's him. Uh, so Synecdoche was his directorial debut. He famously went on the map with being John Malkovich in '99. Then he followed Synecdoche with Anomalies in 2015, and. Uh, Next year, he's putting out an, a new movie. It's apparently going to be a Netflix exclusive. Mm. It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh, no. So <laughs> get ready for that one. Yikes. <laughs> Here we go. But yeah, right. I, I recommend. Don't ever change, Charlie. Um, yeah. Before you get to your next thing, we did leave out a critical piece of news. Um, what? It's it's sad news. The Jeremy Renner app has been killed. Oh, yeah. I we did. haven't even talked about the app, the rise okay. of the app and the fall. You're right. You're right. We got to talk about this before the next thing. So Jeremy Renner has basically been single-handedly um, uh, Rec- attacking my dire need oh, to stand him. <laughs> <laughs> he has been challenging me, and I can't I can't do it anymore. He's, I can't. Wait, are you he, off the Jeremy Renner well, train? Not, the app was, like, invented for you, Ernest. Yeah, this is... I figured You're you like, were uh, power uh, user. I just, like... I get on Instagram every day, and I'm like, there's not enough so, Jeremy Renner. Who are these people who are not Jeremy Renner on my he, feed? Renner launched a store earlier Well, in let's the take it back a little bit. Yeah, so Renner... Flipping houses, <laughs> yeah. failing to take over large uh, franchi- movie franchises. Yep. Making bad music. Yeah. Being left out of Infinity War. Yep. Then... He starts to become a little bit of a social media mogul, question mark. He, he thinks that he is. <laughs> yeah. And then that leads to the Jeep deal with the music. Uh, and now every time I click on a YouTube video, his fucking Jeep yeah, commercial. Like, Heaven don't have a name. So he was. Then our, the Amazon deal. F- uh, very famously for me, he was on thin ice for years. <laughs> I, I don't like what's going on with this guy. I think the best way to describe him is Nick Ciarelli's, uh, who, uh, by the way, you should follow him on Twitter. If you don't, his tweet, uh, Jeremy Renner is like, what would happen if a normal man from Dick's sporting goods were granted many wishes by God? <laughs> <laughs> he is just like a f- power normie, you know? And so he launches this store where he is branding himself and he, he, his Instagram played into this as an outdoorsy guy when that had never been a part of the Renner deal. He was never like camping guy. It, it must be some sort of like social media audience analytics thing. Yeah. That were, someone was like, okay, so a big part of your uh, followers are like yeah. rural Americans. Yeah, like the Jeep deal, you know, they're like uh, rugged. Renner is rugged. That's our new brand. Yeah. And so they launched this store that sells like camping goods. And a lot of it's not even Renner branded products. He was selling Jack Link's beef jerky just on his website. Like, what is he doing? And uh, I think a lot of it was like, uh, it was like an Amazon affiliate website, like one of those aggregator things where it's like, hey, if 
you know, I recommend this. And then you click the link and he gets a, a part of the profit from Amazon. Because he really needs really it. Really likes, yeah, like, <laughs> he's acting like he's poor. <laughs> like, he's like, I, I need more oil for my tractor. <laughs> I think that, like, he really, you know, like, him and his agent had a talk where he's just like, 2019 is going to be the year of Renner. Like, yeah, I yeah. will own 2019. There's some years where we just look back and we're like, there's like this actor, this figure, just like they won the year. Yeah. And he definitely thought he was doing that. He was like, I'm in the biggest movie of all time. I'm going to follow that up by making music, which is going to be a hit because <laughs> I'm so be great. great. <laughs> and then I'm going to make my own app where it's just me and people are going to pay me money to look at my Instagram photos. <laughs> so, like, he, it's, it's so confident in a way that I do still I I almost admire him more no after all of this don't do this but it was a failure I yes but so, he, he went for it there's so many people who would just coast he, by he did he thought that he was doing he something his team he was, did he thought he was <laughs> taking <laughs> reclaiming a hot girl summer for the uh, normie boys that's what he thought he was doing he did not the app was essentially like an off not offline but like a remote version of his instagram that is just his it's the but it, people can post to it the inner yeah the interface was a rip of instagram uh and there was just his feed was the main screen and then there was a feed for uh fans and they would post i i have the app oh okay yeah i was hoping you would um, and i'm never gonna delete it because the, didn't it get shut down yeah it is shut down you can still look at some posts on it um, wow the icon for it is why i'm always going to keep it on my phone it's just his face and, <laughs> and the app is called jeremy renner <laughs> not the renner no app, no yeah it's called jeremy renner and how mighty they fall so the the fans who would use this are obviously psychotic people they're not well in the head because you could buy stars and it's not really clear what those were for it's like it's buying likes like whenever you make your account you're you have a hundred likes basically and you can allot those likes and then if you run out of stars you can purchase more and give yeah. jeremy renner more money <laughs> and you can give like 50 stars to one photo or like a thousand stars to one photo <laughs> with the whole caveat being that the top three people with the most stars on each photo become his like top fans. Mm, they yeah. get to be seen by Jeremy. Yeah. He invites them over for dinner. No, he no. They, but they'll like comment. They, cause they're just like, this is a way for me to connect. Down to if you guys saw like the video that he posted on his app, he's just like, I just really want to make this as a way to like connect to fans. Yeah. And it's very clearly like he's reading off of a piece of yeah, paper. While it's he's a, doing this, this is a like, grift. It's a, it's, it's a grift. I mean, so, it, it, he's just trying to piggyback off of what like Will Smith is doing on YouTube. Yeah. Like all these celebrities that want to bank off of internet culture. It's, I mean, to make money and we need grow to, their brand. Eventually we need to do a whole episode about like celebrities monetizing their Instagram and shit. Cause that drives me up the wall. Yeah. But uh, this app, it was obviously the trolls came in and, and it became trolls versus counter trolls. It was a war on the Renner app. For Incredible. Weeks. Uh, these guys I follow on Twitter, um, they stream sometimes. They're called the go off Kings. There are three of them. They all like kind of figured out how to game the system of the Renner app. So they became the top users. One of them was impersonating Casey Anthony and that was the top user on the Renner app was Casey Anthony for a while and she would post they would post like pictures of Casey Anthony and her daughter and be oh, like me and my daughter man. are watching your movies like <laughs> 
And so it became a war. And then the counter troll people would post these image macros that look like they're made by 50 year olds that were, <laughs> it was like horny, like photoshopped images of Renner to make him look like a bodybuilder. And it'd be like, when I see a troll on the Renner app. <laughs> and so this was a culture war. So art. Essentially. Yeah, it, I mean, I'm glad it happened. Yeah, I learned. Is something. it all archived on the app? Did they take it down? All that? Um, if you get you, yeah, you cannot post anymore, but you <laughs> can, in fact, damn, look, R.I.P. You can look at uh, previous posts on the app. So I, it you is. Know, I truly feel like a horrible Renner fan for not even downloading the app. Like, I feel like I failed him. Why do I even have a, a Hawkeye that action that's figure? That's why. I mean, if you read his press release, he's just like, yeah. I mean, really, it was just that Ernest Ernest <laughs> never signed up for the app, and that really just kind of I killed mean, my, damn. Killed and my this confidence. was tailor made. Like, there's so many horny ladies on here, <laughs> like like middle aged women. That's most. Like, look at this picture. Like, oh, this, this is a fan, I, it's oh god, it's, it's a fan edit Photoshop to make him look like he's like moaning shirtless in the rain, <laughs> and it's like he's almost like drowning in the rain. <laughs> Like, it, it, this is the craziest thing that's ever happened. Uh, anyway, I don't want to take up more time. It, well, but it's an epic saga. Yeah. You know, it's it's we had to talk about it. I feel like we haven't seen the last of Renner. You know, this oh. might all be viral marketing for the Hawkeye show. Oh, man. What yeah. if he brings it back for he brings back the yeah. app for the Hawkeye show? Speaking of celebrities who have been maligned in the public eye. Let's talk about Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I did not see this special. Have you seen it, Hunter? No, I I have not gotten a so chance to watch this one yet. People have eviscerated this special that just came out on Netflix. It's called Sticks and Stones. It had like zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes for a while. I mm. think it's up to like seventeen or something. Yeah, um, but nobody wants nobody wants to be associated with what Dave Chappelle is saying in this in yeah, this special. The, I follow like a ton of stand-ups on Twitter and they're the people who t- for me mostly universally are in favor of it because they're stand-ups. Well, I had a great time watching it. Uh, I'd laugh my ass off. I thought it was super funny. It's not even close to being his best work. I think in, in the pantheon of the, f- I think this is his fifth uh, special on Netflix, it's probably the worst. But Dave Chappelle is the only person, the only motherfucker who could get away with saying the stuff that he's saying on this thing. And I guess he's technically not he's even kind of not even getting away with it exactly. because of how much backlash there's exactly. Been. He's kind of not even getting away f- with it. But I feel like um, he is trolling, and people are taking the bait. That's exactly what's happening. Is he wants this reaction from people. He's like, he is uh, daring people to have this viscerally negative reaction because he's touching every single hot button issue. Michael Jackson, school shootings, LGBT, everything under the sun that has, that most comedians wouldn't touch because it's too controversial. He's going for it. And I Honestly, I think it's 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 awesome that he's doing it. Like, yes, he's saying super offensive shit that's like not politically correct at all and like nobody should say, but it's the job of the comedian to say the shit that nobody should say. And if we censor comedians for doing that, then you're defeating the whole purpose yeah, of the comedian. I mean, the whole the whole discussion has been annoying for me on both sides because the people like going against him really hard. I haven't seen it. So I don't know if I would be truly 
morally offended. I tend to not be, especially by stand up because stand up is a boundary pushing art form. Uh, but the counter people, the people who are like, you can't say fucking anything anymore, blah, blah, blah. This is the highest paid stand up in the world. And you're like, he can't say anything. No, he's still paid. He put out a special on the biggest streaming platform and for like tens of millions and of dollars. everyone watched it. And he's a zillionaire. Like he's not in danger. He is still getting fucking paid no matter how mad people are. And it's almost like he's like, again, with the, with the baiting people, he's like, look, let me push the, the, the envelope as much as possible to see how far I can possibly take this. Like, I want you to cancel me. Basically, see, so that's one of the reasons why I haven't gotten around to watching this yet is because I want the conversation. I was waiting for the conversation to go away so that I can just look at it as like an objective thing and just be like, is this funny or do I not think that this works? Yeah, because Because it's just become this like war of like, it's not even like left versus right. It's just this stupid like. Twitter battles are happening online where people are like, if you think that this is funny, then you're a bad person. And if you don't think that this is funny, then you like, you don't understand comedy. And I think that both sides are wrong. And I just kind of want that conversation to go away so that I can just watch it and just be like, yeah, "Ah, it's okay. Yeah. Cause what concerns me about it is the, a word that I've seen a lot when in describing it is lazy, which is what I got from a lot of his newer Netflix specials. Which, like, okay, so Drew, so that was what I was going to ask you was, did the special work for you? Um, I'll let you know when I see it. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you checked it out. No, yet. I'm just okay. talking a lot oh, about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you've, yeah you, you're engaged in the comment. I mean, you, that's that's what I know some yeah. of the jokes and stuff because I see screen grabs and people right. are like, how dare you but say you, this? You hit on, I think, one of the most important points, which is it's less about what Chappelle is actually saying or, and more about like people thinking that they have to align themselves with the quote unquote correct stance. It's, it's like, I am this type of person. So I have to make it clear that, that everyone knows that I think Dave Chappelle is bad. Well, and that way it's a lot like, I mean, at least in a way, the conversation is a lot like when Aziz put out his last special, but it's also completely different because Aziz did some fucked up shit and Chappelle is just, he's doing like, he was always raunchy and pushing the boundaries. Yeah. Like nothing's changed. Exactly. I love Chappelle show as a kid. And I, that show was all about how far, like where yes. is the line? And I might cross the line a few times, but I'm going to take it to the limit. That's the best thing about Dave Chappelle is like, he has always been the one guy to say the shit that nobody that nobody can say like that's that's really what it is and people are hearing that now and they're like wait a second you can't say that so we need to make sure that everyone knows that you can't say that because it's bad because it's not politically correct and it's like maybe maybe i don't know i don't want to speak for everyone but maybe people watch the special and they laughed at things that they thought they shouldn't be laughing at and then they felt like they needed to say that the special was bad because they felt bad about themselves for laughing at yeah. offensive I mean, jokes. I'm sure that there are people out there that have that kind of a situation. For me, like, my biggest thing with Chappelle now is that I just don't... I haven't found his last two Netflix specials to be anything great. Like, there's some good jokes that are in there, but it's like I it's like you said, Drew, like, it does come across a little bit lazy sometimes where it's like... it. 
it feels like it's a routine that needs to be practiced and polished. But why would he just like go to the cellar and like work on his standup like once a week for three months? If he can just he knows that Netflix will give him ten million dollars to figure shit out on stage. Well, yeah, um, I wanted to ask you because one of the only legitimate critiques of the special that I took seriously and that I liked, even though I haven't seen it, but it applies to his previous specials as well. It's from this uh, black comedian named Curtis Cook, who I really like. And this tweet kind of was like, I was like, damn, you might have a point there. He said, Dave Chappelle is kind of my idol because it's always been my goal to walk away from $50 million after realizing audiences are laughing in a way that belittles the struggles of my people, then return a decade later to make that money back by belittling the struggles of others. (laughs) Yeah, I think that is a little fair. Um, But I mean, honestly, like... Yeah, no, I, I I get what that's what that is because that's essentially the whole LGBT thing. Like, he's, I mean, he's being he's saying insensitive things about trans people and just like making jokes about that. And honestly, like, I get it. I understand why all of that shit would be offensive because it is offensive. But he says it in the special. You clicked on my face. <laughs> like you're choosing to watch it. You could easily just ignore it and I mean, not watch that's it. That's extremely true. And just let it be a thing that some crazy person is saying. Mm-hmm. But the fact that so many people are 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 putting it on blast and, and putting attention on it, it just it it just makes it like worse in a way because you're not really solving any problems by doing that. All you're doing is telling a comedian that he shouldn't be a comedian. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, the discussion around it is toxic in bo- on both sides of it. And I like what bothered me about like in his last two specials how he kept going back to the trans stuff. Like it bothered me because it was truly the definition of lazy joke writing. I don't know how it goes in this special, but it was truly him just saying over and over, I don't think trans women are actually women or whatever and the crowd just hooting and hollering i I mean a lot of the a lot of the stuff he says i feel like it's just jokes like he doesn't mean most of it it's not how he truly feels about the world or anything he's just making jokes because he's a comedian yeah he's trying to 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 find material to make funny and i guess you could call that lazy and to say like hey if if you weren't if you put more work into it, you would find material somewhere else. Well, it's no, it's not even that. It's just like a, a joke. Like if, like I want a joke, I don't want him to just say something that's bad and expect that to be the joke. Right. There has to be something funny. In yeah. It. Um, that's what bothered me about his last ones. But thing about Chappelle is he is a master orator. Is that how you orator? Is that how sure. You sure. That's yeah. that's the pull. Is he is really good at captivating an audience mm-hmm. and controlling. Yeah. Them. Like he is the best at that. Uh, the only competitor he really had was Louis in terms of his style. Yeah. Uh, and but the, the difference is that Louis was really good at acting like he had not prepared anything when he was truly insanely prepared. Yeah. Uh, and Chappelle, it seems like as of recent is kind of slacking on the, he's just not really prepared. I'll I'll reiterate. Like, I really think that one of the biggest things with this special is that he's making people laugh at jokes that they think they shouldn't be laughing at. And I think that's what he is specifically going for. He wants people to feel uncomfortable with the things that they find funny so that they think about in, in their own selves, like, we're all a little bit fucked up, you know? He, I think that's what he wants 
to to, yeah. to point out, and that's what a great comedian does. Yeah, is when he says the fucked up things that nobody else, yeah, that everyone else is thinking, but but cannot yeah. possibly say. I mean, I'm I'm with you, Hunter. Where I've been kind of waiting to watch it. I'm gonna watch yeah. it. I'm interested either way, uh, because. I mean, like I said, I'm a, I'm a straight white guy. It's really hard to viscerally offend me <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because of my and, immense privilege. <laughs> and there's another thing that he says where he uh, talks about a conversation that he had with a trans woman. And she tells him that she loves all the trans jokes that he tells. Yeah. And he feels like by telling those jokes, he is normalizing trans in the in the mainstream culture trans people in the mainstream culture by yeah. including them in the humor in the fucked up humor along with everyone else so that's a tough tightrope to walk but i think it's it's somebody should try it yeah. you know it will yeah i i think this whole discussion this whole fight oh, that which is taking weeks now it's still going on a little bit but it sucks because almost i'm starting to realize the only thing worse than cancel culture is uh anti-cancel culture right because it's it's a false argument because no name one comedian who has actually been canceled for what they said on stage that hasn't happened louis was canceled because he's uh, a creep sex offender yeah like you know what i mean that actually doesn't happen anthony jeselnik has made a killing off of being offensive that's his whole shtick and he never complains about cancel culture. He actually loves it because that's why people are reacting to him. It's like you said, Chappelle is trying to make this happen. He mm-hmm. Chappelle likes the fact that people don't like it. If he said offensive shit about trans people off stage in a private conversation and somebody took a video, that would be a different story. It might even yeah, it might even be worse if he said the same shit just like in secret. It, it's cuz it's different cuz when you're on stage, you're putting on an act. You're trying your people pay yeah. to see you there. Yeah. It's just everyone on Everyone needs to chill out a little bit. He's not canceled. He's the highest paid stand-up working right. currently today. Everything's yeah. fine, um, except for uh, nothing is fine. So speaking of people with uh, weird opinions that may or may not should be canceled, let's talk about Quentin mm. Tarantino's uh, feet fetish. <laughs> um, so I am almost a, a Tarantino completist, okay. meaning I have almost finished to all the foot shots that he puts on screen. <laughs> Um, <laughs> thank God. Thank God you've got that. Man. <laughs> um, I, in the past week I've watched three, I, like I'm going full on completist mode. So I watched true romance, which is his screenwriting debut. He had not directed a movie yet. This is way early nineties. Patty Arquette, Christian Slater. Uh, have you guys seen it? I don't think I've ever seen it. No. I've seen parts of it, but I've never actually watched so, *Alter Romance*. I mean, writing-wise, it truly it really lays the foundation for every Tarantino movie. I would say maybe it is his weakest writing effort uh, because he was very young and mm-hmm. he was finding his footing. But this is a, a very good movie. It's about Christian Slater kind of saving, you know, a prostitute played by Patty Arquette um, uh, from you know her pimp, and then he ends up mixed up, and he ha- ends up with a briefcase of coke, and he has to go on the road, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you know, very violent, very crazy. It ends in an all-time Tarantino orchestrated uh, shootout, nice. which is it's like four different groups of people with guns. It's like a western because yeah. he loves westerns. Uh, who? Uh, hold on. Who directed it? Because- it's Tony Scott, I think. Yeah. Tony yeah. Scott. So the late Tony. It is well directed. But the whole time you're thinking, what if, what if, what, what if, if, our, what if my guy did it? Like, he <laughs> There'd be more feet. It, yeah. It, well, he just truly like the, 
the hallmarks of Tarantino, you start to realize are why his movies are timeless. The lack of uh, actual scoring and instead using songs, you know, to score the movie, that would have played in the favor of this movie because the scoring in this has aged. It, it's very of its time. Uh, it's really, really, it's, it's corny. It's a corny soundtrack. Um, the direction is good, but particularly in the action sequences, you're just thinking, what if my guy mm-hmm. did it? Um, still overall, I, I, it's like an aid of a movie. It's, it's, it's really fun. It's energetic. It's, it's dumb and smart in that Tarantino way. Um, it's not in the top half of anything he's done, but well, I, I mean, you know the whole the whole story behind that movie, how it's tied with the Reservoir Dogs, because of course Tarantino and Tony Scott are really good friends. Mm-hmm. Originally, Tarantino was going to direct True Romance, and Tony Scott was going to direct Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. So I mean, that's it's funny to think about, especially like what Tony Scott's take on Reservoir Dogs would have been. Yeah. Well, and also there was the thing of. Was it you who told me this? Uh, Tony Scott wanted to do both of them, and Tarantino said, "Pick one." Yeah, and he picked. He ended up picking True Romance, and then Tarantino got Reservoir Dogs, and the rest is history. Um, so it's very, you know, it's it's worth watching just for like film canon, you know, and it's a good movie. So I've enjoyed that. Uh, going in chronological order of these movies, I watched Jackie Brown last week, and I absolutely loved it. Oh, like, so absolutely loved it. Um, uh, it was in your top five, right? It was my number two. Yeah. It is. I love that movie. I said uh, my take on the air was that I think that is the best Sam Jackson performance. I Ooh, think I honestly think it is, too. Yeah. Like, I think that he does so much. I mean, I love Jules, of course. Like, I, it's not like it's picking nits because they're all great performances. But Jackie Brown is just it's a, such a great movie and it's so different from pretty much anything else that Tarantino's ever done, which is why people didn't like it whenever it first came out. Yeah. But I just think it's so good. Pam Greer. So oh. he wrote it for her. Yeah. The only Oscar nomination is for Robert Forster. What happened there? Not not aged. Great. No, nothing. Max for, Max Cherry. Yeah. Not not even a nom for and, Pam. Not even a nom for Sam. Not even a nom for uh fucking lame ass E. D. De Niro. <laughs> Dude, it's such a good De Niro. De Niro is great. Michael Keaton as this like (laughs) uppity FBI agent. Keaton, dude, (laughs) so like the acting in this owns every scene that he's in. Truly an off the charts uh, performance. And don't get me wrong, I love Robert Forster. I think that he's great in this movie as Max Cherry. But the fact that he got the supporting nomination over Samuel Jackson is—he's really great. But he did get. Like he had one of those like underacting is the best overacting thing where like the whole movie, he's really steady Eddie. He just has the same uh, stoic face on. And in the nineties, that is what the Oscars were for baby was stoic white men. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Pam Greer not getting anything is just a fucking travesty. Like she's so she's a goddess in this. She's She's playing like, it's like a twist on a twist on a twist. Like she's playing like three people. And you on really, each other. you don't even know where her alliances are because yeah. she's playing everybody on screen. There's no like inner monologue yeah. or anything. So you're like, I don't know which side she is. Play- I yeah. love that movie. I can't believe that it took me so long to check it out. Dude, and it's like so good. One of my um, absolute favorites. Uh, yeah, and yeah, toward the end of the second act, maybe it does get a little convoluted. Like you said, like it, it's, it gets confusing, but at, at the end, it certainly, pulls I think it it's out. meant to be confusing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And by the end, you're I mean, awestruck. There's yeah, the whole, incredible. the whole mall sequence is just directed geniusly. Like where you see it's the same scene, but 
shown from all these different perspectives. It's the perfect conclusion of all these different threads coming together. I think it's done in a yeah. great way. And then uh, finally, the thing that sparked this whole watch fest is uh, in one of my classes, we watched Death Proof. Um, Hell yeah. Because that's the only Tarantino movie that is short enough to watch <laughs> in a class. Uh, and I, I loved it. I thought it was it's I, so fun. Yeah. And it's, you know, much like true romance to me, it doesn't, it has an asterisk as far as actual Tarantino canon goes, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like a full on movie by Tarantino. It's part of grindhouse, which is a, uh, if you don't know, gr- grindhouses were these movie theaters in the seventies that were really grimy and they would literally screen movies so often that the film would grind down. Uh, and it would look like shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he puts that into yeah. the movie. So, yeah, there's both of the movies. Parts in, where it's like cutting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like missing footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, My professor also made a point to screen uh, before grind, before Death Proof starts, because it's the second one. There are trailers for like fake oh, movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really funny. Yeah. Like <laughs> cra- crazy Machete funny. Machete came from those trailers. Yeah, Nick Cage is in there. Like it, it's it's a cameo fest. It's hilarious. And then the movie itself I thought was a rollicking romp. I'll what do you that. what did you think of the scene when they're in that uh that diner and the camera's like it's like a long, long take and the camera's just spinning and spinning and spinning. Um I mean I really enjoyed it. I thought that the dialogue in the second piece because this is based essentially two different stories yeah. i thought the dialogue was worse in the second one uh and that acting was particularly the girl that plays the stunt woman who is on the hood of the car zoe bell is a well she is a stunt woman yeah she and you i could tell immediately <laughs> like when they said she was a stunt woman i was like oh she's actually a stunt woman yeah because she, tarantino wouldn't cast an actress that's doing this yeah bad, honestly. but the 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 ship mast the yeah i mean she the car chase she's definitely on that car dude like for real i've <laughs> i've never seen anything like that in my it, life it's absurd it's so <laughs> it's silly and stupid and it's so fucking fun what dude. are the greatest like cut to credits endings of oh all yeah time? the ending is amazing <laughs> i i i definitely agree with a lot of that and i think that's maybe why it's not near not in my top half of tarantino movies because i thought that the first storyline that we get in those girls is just better than i mean great we have the big set piece but otherwise like when they do have that diner sequence and everything else i don't think that the acting is good enough and i just didn't really think that the characters were as interesting either um we did have, I think, the best foot shot in any Kurt Russell. movie is Kurt Russell <laughs> licking her feet mm. as they're hanging out the window. I mean, it's, Kurt Russell is awesome in this. Yeah, yeah. he's like, got like a big old scar on his face. He's, I think, for what he's is expected of him in this movie, he does pitch perfect. Yeah, like, he absolutely nailed it. I it's, love that one scene where they're in like the uh, Quentin Tarantino's bar or whatever and he's telling the girls like what movies he's been in and he's like you don't know what the you know you don't know what i'm talking about do you you've <laughs> yeah. never seen any of these that's tarantino in every bar yeah goes in. exactly <laughs> except he's he's not talking about his own movies he's he's talking about like did you watch uh burt cagney's uh, western in the day and they're like what <laughs> didn't you make like <laughs> inglorious bastards <laughs> like why are you talking about this anyway uh big fan of that big fan of all these movies uh jackie brown is the one that would end up in my top half of tarantino movies the other two like i said do have asterisks by them there are reasons that they are not 
uh, full on Tarantino. So, so you still need to watch Hateful Eight and yeah. Natural Born Killers. Yeah, uh, Hateful Eight. Uh, and, oh man, you got to at this point. You, you got to I mean, do I'm gonna, it. I'm gonna because I want to finish the canon. Really, uh, Natural Born Killers is one of the most insane movies I've ever right. seen in my life. So to close things out. I'll, I'll try to be quick. Uh, Love Island UK is the, mm. for five years running, it has been either the most popular or the second most popular show in all of the United Kingdom. TV show, period. Not just reality show. It is a sensation over there. Uh, there have been uh, mimics spawned in America. Ultimately, it is a mimic of American shows. It's a really, really bad, dumb reality show where hot people live in a mansion with a pool and they try to, like get with each is it other. like that <laughs> is it like that other show that i don't know if you talked about on air or not uh but like the love hotel thing yes uh, that, that is that is a paradise really, that's an paradise awful hotel. awful ripoff of love island okay and now there's actually a love island u.s so oh. paradise hotel needs to get out <laughs> like it's it's truly bad anyway this show is also truly bad but in a in a good way yeah uh one thing that it gets right is the bachelor really takes itself seriously uh, now it's starting like over the years, it's kind of learned that it's a joke, but still dirt mid season on the actual bachelor dead serious when it's a fuck. It's so stupid and f- like funny. But I think that's one of the things that I love about the bachelor is that it does take <laughs> itself so seriously. And it's almost like the, the people charm. that are on it. Yeah. Don't understand. Like they think that they're in a different show than they actually yeah. are. So this show, everyone's in on the joke. It has this cheeky Scottish host who you never even see. He's just doing voiceover and he just makes jokes the whole time. He's like, Oh, that's a funny one. No. Uh, Anyway, back to the show. Uh, and all these people are really dumb and really hot. And I honestly do kind of enjoy it. But the whole time watching it, and I, you know, I've, I've seen a good amount of Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise. They're all bad. Uh, Big Brother even, which I truly enjoyed, is still bad. Mm-hmm. Here's my pitch, my big pitch. Because there are a million little variations of this type of show. All it needs is a tweak, and you can just make it into a whole new show. So my show is called Sevens, and it everyone is in a mansion. It has a, a bunch of contestants who are trying to fuck, and also trying. You know, there's competition involved. They're trying to maybe they're, it's like, are you the one? They're trying to figure out who is their pre predetermined match in the ecosystem, mm-hmm. something like that. But watching all these shows, the main thing I think is what wouldn't it be awesome if any of these people were interesting? <laughs> like, like, wouldn't it be really cool if even one of these people were smart or funny oh, okay. or anything instead of just kind of laughing at dumb people? And that's the point of sevens. Everyone, Why is it called sevens? Because everyone's a seven. Like, attractive-wise? Like, yeah. looks-wise? <laughs> everyone's a seven out of ten. Isn't that subjective, though? No. <laughs> we, you can make it scientific. You Like, you can pull a thousand people on okay. all these contestants. We'll pre-screen them. But with sevens... That is, I would say, seven, eight is like the end of interesting people. Beyond that, no one's interesting. Yeah, you're an airhead. Yeah. Hottie. Not even just an airhead. You're just like, you have no reason to be funny or smart. Like, there's no purpose for that if you're hot. Mm-hmm. Your, your life is easy. So, we, but the thing is, everyone has to be on a uniform level of attractiveness. So, no threes, no, no fours. No, everyone is a seven. Because also, I don't want a bunch of uggos. I want them to be like decent Can we throw like at. one like dude who's like a five but like he's really funny <laughs> like you love him i mean that could uh yeah that could be the twist <laughs> <laughs> the twist is they all have to figure out who's the five <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, that is the small tweak that would make any of these shows immensely better is if they're just a little uglier and then they're also pre-vetted. They're giving, they're given like an IQ test. They're given, you know, a, an expansive personality test to figure out their interests. Like what is, what is cool about them? Like what they study, what they know. Uh, and the result is a show that is like much like Love Island. It's really Love Island is just people walking from the pool to the patio and then to talk to one person and then walking to the patio from the patio to the bedroom and talking to another person and then going into the interview room being like, yeah. So when I talked to that first person, uh, I was I was really trying to get with Chelsea, but it didn't work out. Um, so what if what if they were all actually interesting? And it was just and that. their conversations were like more, yeah, you know, stimulating. And also, my my other big twist is, uh, and there are things in the way. Like it's the whole space they live in is like a big obstacle course. So all of the there's like a big <laughs> <Yeah>. box. <laughs> That's like, a big twist to throw yeah. in there. So all of also, the they live in a trampoline world. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, just because all of the B roll in in uh, Love Island is just people walking from and place to place standing. to talk to somebody else. Yeah. So I want all the B-roll to be them like swinging across vines or something. To <laughs> I, <get> <laughs> I, I would love to see that just for the time when there's like inevitably some big huge breakup where people there's like the dude's like throwing shit and he's angry and she like runs away but she has to like <laughs> do like yeah. a jungle gym to like get out of <laughs> Yeah, there. exactly. Or like, you know, someone gets voted out and it's like pack your bags and go and he has to like climb up a greasy slide yeah. to get <laughs> to get out of the house. Oh, this is man. a million dollars. I'm in on idea. that. This is the you best sold idea. me. This is the best idea I've ever on had. on the fence and then you just the sold me with the, the obstacle course. The whole house but. is just like someone's trying to walk over to hit on a girl <laughs> and they just fall into a hole that they didn't know was there. <laughs> this is uh, the best idea of all time. Why doesn't Big Brother already do that? Because they the whole house is a set. Yeah, and they do all these crazy challenges where they transform the outdoor space into like a crazy competition yeah. zone. That's where I got the aesthetic idea. Yeah, but it's only for the competitions, which no one even cares about. They suck. Like I don't even need competitions. I just want them to <laughs> get hear, hurt and hit on each you other. You hear this, CBS? You hear this? We will sue you. You have to. You have to sign an MOU. You, yeah, you, you can't just take it. Yeah, no. This it's already is, drafted up. You know, we have I, a deal. I, I sent in, sign it. I sent in a, a rough draft to the uh, uh, patent office mm-hmm. for the entire house. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's like my crude idea. sketches on a wow. napkin and just send it into yeah. him. I'm excited for this. We're going to make this. Yeah. I mean, we got to diversify our portfolio. Yeah. We can't just do a podcast. We got to turn ourselves into a full blown production yeah. studio. Yep. Podcast slash reality show producers. <laughs> Sevens, man, great! It's a great show. The, the 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 final grand prize is you get to guest on the show, <laughs> yeah, on the podcast, yeah, the yeah, the yeah, the prizes that you get to like make club appearances for the rest of your life because people vaguely know you from the show. That because that's what well, everyone still, on The Bachelor wins. It's, <laughs> yeah, so it's still like a a, f- a final couple standing show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or there, or is it like Bachelor style? Like there's one person that everyone's competing for no well that would be funny if it was like a king of the hill scenario where everyone's just like (laughs) desperately trying to maneuver their way up to the (laughs) the i like i like the the who's the five scenario (laughs) i like that because that would drive a lot of conflict we're gonna have to filter this show cannot be a hat on a hat on a hat but (laughs) we're gonna figure it out and it's gonna be very good sevens coming soon to cbs all access (laughs) all right well that does it for today's show Make sure you listen to our review of It Chapter 2 if you haven't already. And more fun stuff coming at you this month. 
as we get into the fall movie season. Are movies good again? Perhaps. We shall see. Uh, email us at webottomike at gmail.com and follow us on social media at webottomike. Let us know what you thought of all the things that we talked about. Um, let us know if you are at TIFF or Venice. What is it like over there? Are people frolicking? Are they rioting? Are they throwing garbage on the streets? Yeah. I, I did actually, I got a breaking madness. news that Venice, they only invited clowns this year <laughs> to the event. Damn. So I think that that's why Joker won. Yeah. And a they're clown all clown only yeah. screening. Everyone's throwing pizza pie at each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, anything else? Nah, um, uh, I just keep imagining scenarios for this show. And okay, <laughs> like you go over to hit on a girl, you're like swinging across vines, and you're like, oh, yeah, hey, what's up? You have to act nonchalant. Then you're like, you want to drink? And then to get to the bar, you have to like, it's like a backwards treadmill, and you have to like <laughs> sprint really fast. And <laughs> I was thinking uh, another way that we can add uh, like the who's the five kind of a scenario is it's one dude who's hot, but he's so sweaty all the oh. time. Yeah. He's just like, and he has, to, he has to journey for everywhere, but like yeah. he gets there and he's clearly like the hottest one in the house, but he's just so gross and sweaty <laughs> and he smells all the time. Yeah. You're like, God, dude, Chad is just, he's so hot, chiseled he's pecs, stinky. but he's just, he's just the smelly, yeah. hairy boy. Every week, the stinkiest person gets voted off. <laughs> all right. Well, follow us on Twitter, Letterboxd. Uh, check us out on there. Stick around. We'll see you next time. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.